Welcome to Faith Forward, where our mission is to make faith accessible for all. We're your hosts, Alexia and Ashley. In this episode, I will be sharing my testimony. So my testimony is one of getting to know God's love. So it's kind of a spoiler alert, but we'll get there in how I met God. So my mom, my biological mom left when my brother and I were young, which left us with my biological dad, who was physically, emotionally, and verbally abusive. He also did not feed us very well, so we were starved. And I remember having new bruises, new cuts on my body, and I looked pretty skinny. And whenever someone at school asked me, like, oh, what happened? I'd be like, oh, I fell down the stairs. There's only so many times you can fall down the stairs before someone starts to ask questions. And so I got called down to the principal's office one day, and I remember straight up panicking the entire time walking down that hallway because I'm like, what did I do? Only bad kids go to the principal's office. And I get down there and this woman meets me and she says, tell me everything that's happening at home. And I was petrified to tell her everything because my biological dad always said that if I told anyone what happens, it would get a lot worse for me. And I couldn't imagine anything worse. And I understand like looking back on it now, I would get help. So that doesn't make sense. But I didn't know any better, but I felt a lot of guilt um, not being able to take care of my younger brother. I felt like that was the weight on me was to take care of him. And so I just told her everything I could think of. And then she just released me back to class and the entire day felt so surreal. I was like, did we actually have that conversation? Did I make that up? I went on the bus at the end of the day like normal except it wasn't normal because my brother wasn't on the bus and I was really nervous for him because I assumed he was sick and they didn't tell me that he wouldn't be on the bus and I was nervous for him because I remember one time being sick and I was punt kicked across the room in the stomach for being sick and just physically abused and so that was running through my head as I was thinking like he was sick because that means all the attention is on you alone. So I opened the door and one of the first questions that my biological dad asked me is, where's your brother? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I thought he was with you. And then he went off on me and I don't know exactly what he said, but it was the feeling of like, I gave you one job and you couldn't even do that right. And while he's yelling at me, there's a knock on the door and a couple of policemen come in and one grabs my dad and the other one grabs me and he opens up a large garbage bag and he says put everything that you have in here you're not coming back and I just remember being stunned and walking through the house and putting everything that I could think of in this bag so I was like six years old so I'm putting in poly pockets I'm putting in my clothes I'm putting in a hairbrush like I didn't know what I needed because I was six (laughs) And we get into the cop car and I'm thinking to myself, "Ah, that's it. I'm going to jail. I don't know what I did, but I'm going to jail because I watched those cop shows and I knew how this went. Um, So the only question that I asked the guy was, where are we going? And he said, somewhere safe. And I just stopped talking because I couldn't imagine what safe even meant because nothing was safe. But it ended up being safe. Um. He brought us to a foster care house, and that is where I was reunited with my brother, which is amazing. A lot of kids get split up when they're in the system, but my brother and I were fortunate to be together, so that's awesome. 
We bounced back between a couple homes and we were in the foster care system for six months, roughly. And this is where I got to know Jesus. I loved church because at church you get snacks and you get to color. And I love that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I got snacks and I love the color. But I remember one night they put on a play. In that play, they talked about where are you going when you die, heaven or hell? which is kind of startling, but at the same time, I lived a lot of life, so it wasn't that scary for me. And I remember this one girl made it to heaven, and there was this guy and, like, this tall man dressed in white with his arms open, and he hugs her and says, my child, you've come home. And they kept saying, this is the father. He can be your father if you accept him into your heart. And in my seven-year-old understanding at the time, I was like, wow. You're saying I can have this father? Like, I just got to accept him in my heart and he can be mine? Like, yeah, I'll take him over my father. And so that's how I got to know Jesus for the first time, accepted in my heart, got a little Bible. It was amazing. Not too long after that, I got to know a couple who would eventually adopt us, which was a long process. It was kind of stressful because we bounced back between the system and their house. And so it was like, this could be your parents, but also they might not be. And that was really hard. But Eventually, we were officially adopted, and this was amazing. So when I say my mom and dad, I mean my adopted parents because I believe that family is not just blood-related, it's love-related, and they were parents to me. Um, so, yeah, with my parents, they were awesome. They are awesome. They're still alive, <laughs> and this was the first time that I could really be a kid. And I remember growing up, going to like Halloween parties and getting to dress up and get candy and going to Christmas and there were presents underneath the tree with my name on them. And when I opened them, I got to keep the things and Easter was really fun and not just holidays, but like rollerblading and biking and walking and making cookies and doing art, like all these things that I never really got to do as a kid or like younger because I was still a kid. I was like eight at the time. And this is also where my faith got to grow because my adopted parents are Christians. And so I remember going to church and every week there's like the little connect card in the seat back in front of us. And so I'd always write in there like all of our information and then I'd write, I want to be baptized. <laughs> and I'd write it week after week after week. And my parents were like, she doesn't know what that means. She's eight years old. But I kept writing it down and they're like, fine, we'll talk you through it. So they talked me through what baptism meant. And then I was finally baptized. And it's a really sweet moment because I was baptized by my dad. So that was really cool. But yeah, um, I'm going to skip forward a lot of years. But that is basically what my childhood years were like. So skip forward to 16 years old. So we're jumping eight years. But um through this whole time, I had contact with my biological dad through the letter writing system. So basically, it goes through the county and then it goes to us. That way, they don't have our address. And um, apparently, with my biological mom, they had reached out to her, but she had never written. So I just kind of, I didn't know of that at the time, but I just kind of wrote her off as like, she left, she's out of the picture. But then a little bit deeper than that, I was like, what would it look like if my biological mom reached out to me? Like, would we reunite? Like, would she really want to get to know me? What would that relationship look like? 
and she wrote me when I was 16. And it was the most hurtful letter I've ever received. And it was just full of a bunch of lies. And it was really hard to read because one of the first things I said in the letter was like, I left for education. And reading this letter, it was like reading an awful text message from a teenager, but in an entire letter format, like grammatical errors, all the things like shortened words. Then she said that we were kidnapped by the police and just said a lot of hurtful things about how my adoptive parents aren't my parents. And then left a packet of information of, I believe she's Jehovah Witness. So just Jehovah Witness, like, this is what I want you to believe or this, I don't know, just a packet of information. And that was so hurtful because it's, she never once asked me like, how are you? Sorry, I missed so many years of your life. Like, she didn't take ownership for anything. It was just like, blah, like all out there. And I didn't know what to do with all this, but I was desperate for a relationship with her. So I just kept writing. And we wrote for a few months and then she just stopped out of nowhere. Didn't say why, she just stopped writing. And that threw me off. And I love my adopted family, but something that we have not done well and we're getting better at is feelings. So this whole time, I've just been coping in the best ways that I know how through sports, through music, through work, just coping in the ways that I thought was best. And the moment that she stopped writing was the moment that that big wound just got ripped open. And I started thinking to myself, like, it's a, it's a lot for someone to leave once, but for someone to leave twice, like, what what is so wrong with me that I can't get someone to stay? Like, she's my own mom my own biological mom and she doesn't want me like what is wrong with me then I started thinking back to my biological dad and I'm like what is so wrong with me that he would physically abuse me like where where in it is what is it about me that is unlovable was the core of what I believe and so I started to become very anxious I was already an anxious kid but I became even more anxious and I remember writing down in my prayer journal one night, like, God, I know you're, you're real, but I don't know where you are, and I don't feel you, and I feel alone in this. And I don't know what's going on. And I said, amen. And at that moment, it felt like the room twisted, and my heart started pounding and racing, and it was like the room was spinning. And I didn't know at the time, but that's a panic attack. And I felt like someone else was saying this to me. But it was, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for you. And it kept on repeating and it felt like it was forever. And then once it stopped, I was like, that's it. Like, I don't need to be here. Like, I, no one would miss me if I left. Mm -hmm. So I thought about all the ways that I could end my life. And I thought about guns, pills, suffocation, cutting. But I don't really know what kept me from not doing that because some of the stuff was accessible for me. But something just stopped me. And I think most of it was the thought of like, my adoptive parents want me. They literally chose me. Mm -hmm. So in all the pain, I just decided not to eat. So I just like wouldn't eat if I could get away with it. But during this time, my friends noticed that something was wrong with me. And they reached out to my teacher and then my teacher reached out to my parents and said, like, hey, something's up. Like, talk to your daughter. Um, and so they talked with me and I told them everything. 
And that was the journey of us starting to talk about feelings and starting to grow closer in that way. And it wasn't perfect. I mean, it's one of those things where someone can tell you that they love you until they're blue in the face. But if you don't believe it, it's not going to do much. Yeah. And so I still had that core of I am unlovable and I couldn't get it out of my head. And so I'm going to skip forward a little bit to the sophomore or junior year of college. So about three to four years later, or that's not math, but it's okay. I'm not good at math. I went to Bible college, so I don't have to be good at math. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, skip forward to sophomore, junior year of college. I remember this one specific encounter with God. There was one night, I don't know what possessed me to do this, but one night I was listening to this song called Love on the Line. I had just heard about it. So I was listening to it and it just happened to be looping. So it just keep repeating. And it says, you put your love on the line to bear the weight of sin that was mine. And in that moment, I just started crying on my bed and I was just thinking about how much God loves me. Like, we sing the song like Jesus loves me this I know but I had never taken it personally like that means he loves me as a person like he loves Alexia and I just started crying and I was like wow his love is so vast like this is what people talk about when they say that his love is so great and if you have not listened to that song love on the line by Hillsong United I recommend you listen to it because it has changed my life and because of that encounter with God in my room alone it like it totally flips my perspective of my whole story because that conversation that I had with God when I was 16 and I was crying out like I don't know what you're doing I was alone in my bedroom and this conversation that I had with God when he was showing me his love which he has always shown me but I had not really seen it covered that And it was so beautiful because I used to have such a legalistic view of God um, where I was afraid he would strike me down if I breathed incorrectly. I didn't know his relationship with him could be so normal, like a friend. Um, So just being able to look back on my life and see like, these are all the points where I've been loved and this is how he has loved me this whole time. I just think it's beautiful that that time that I thought I was the most alone, he was with me the whole time. So that is a shortened version of the story of how I got to know God's love and how I got to know him personally. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, pal. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, of course. It's because I know, I mean, because I'll be doing it next week. Um, I know that it's hard, you know, and like you've walked through a lot and you're like, there's things that you didn't touch on that like, you know, we'll talk about eventually. Um, But your story is just, it's just so incredible to me how despite all that you've walked through, like how you're still able to see where God was in all of it, you know, and like, it takes a lot of growth and a lot of faith. (laughs) To see that even like when you were being treated in ways that you nor your brother deserved or any kid in a situation like you um, deserved. And yet like you still saw that God was there and that you still like listened in like the little ways of like, 
you didn't physically harm yourself, you know, like when you had those avenues and like, you didn't know that that was the Holy spirit, but you listened to him anyway, which I just think is really, really cool. I have a couple questions for you. All right. Um, so the first one is you kind of talked about it just a little bit, but just in case, like some of our listeners don't really know, um, how would you describe like legalism? I would say legalism is like black and white thinking. Yeah. It, it's very all or nothing. There we go. So I would say legalism is very much like black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking. So when I was thinking of God in a legalistic way, I was thinking he was only just. He was only angry, like he only had wrath. And I was mm-hmm. negating like God is love. God is forgiving. God is full of grace. Like, so that that is the way that I would describe legalism. Yeah. Um, and going back to like your time in, um, in foster care, um, obviously like, I feel like foster care is finally like getting its space in the church and like churches are having conversations about foster care and they're finally starting to like meet those needs. What's like one thing that you wish people knew about foster care? I've never been asked that before. Really? Oh my god. Really? <laughs> huh. It doesn't really have to be like question. the one thing, but like just something, you know, like what's something that you wish people knew about foster care? Because we don't really always get to hear the stories of someone in foster care. We get to hear the stories of the parents a lot, but I feel like we don't get to hear the perspective of later in life, you know? Yeah, I don't know if this is totally answering your question, but I was thinking about this earlier. And it's more for when you are adopted or you're in the process of being adopted. Um, I wish people wouldn't ask you, who are your real parents? Mm. Because that is such a hurtful question. Because like I've had, I've been hit with this question before and I'll say like, oh, my adopted parents are my real parents. And they're like, no, like who are your real parents? And I'm like, they are my real parents but Mm -hmm. they mean like my biological family so maybe the thing that I wish people knew more about was like terminology and just like the decency to not single them out because of their family so like biological just means born like you're genetically linked yeah yeah and then adopted is like who are you with now Mm-hmm. and there's even and it's hard too because you have foster parents too so it's like who could you say are my real parents like all of these people have parented me so yeah. that is something that I wish people knew what even like bringing up just like you have foster parents who don't necessarily become your um like legal parents you know because your parents have become your legal parents you know they didn't create you but they have certainly you know taken on the mantle of caring for you um Mm -hmm. it's like some kids end up in the system long enough that like they call their foster parents mom and dad Mm -hmm. you know like it for whatever reason they're unable to be adopted for better or for worse so yeah that's a really good point too of not just like adoptive parents but also foster parents yeah and I loved what you had said not just blood related, but love related. I've, I don't know if you came up with that or is that a quote you read somewhere, but I was like, mind blown. 
you know, I mean, like, cause my mom is adopted and I have step and half and, you know, adoptive family. And so like, I understand a piece of that, of like having people in your life and like the family that you make along the way, you know, cause like I have family who's not related to me in any sort of legal or biological way. <laughs> um, so I just really, really loved that. Um, and a couple more questions. Cause I was like thinking of all these things as you were talking. Um, yeah. what's one thing that you would tell little Alexia? Oh no. You gotta make me cry. <laughs> I probably would say that you are loved. Mm. And like, look at the people around you and not just that you can find your worth in other people or you can find that in other people, but look at who God says you are and look at the gifts that he's given you because you've got a lot of creativity in you and not that you're loved for what you do, but you are worth loving yeah. you as a person. So like you and the things that you do. Yeah. You want to know, I would tell little Alexia. Oh, what? <laughs> that you're going to make it. Oh, dang. Because I know yeah. that there was a time where you didn't know that you were going to. Yeah. And look at where you are now. Life <laughs> is really hard sometimes, but you you've made it, you've pulled through, you have loved God and leaned on him and relied on him when it didn't make sense, when people told you not to, and you're listening to him even when it's scary, and you should be proud of that. I'm proud of you. Oh, <laughs> I'm just crying thinking you. about it. <laughs> I know, I'm like tearing up over here. Stop it. We might as well <laughs> let our listeners know real soon that we are criers. <laughs> And that if they join us on this, they're gonna. This is this is us. <laughs> Hi, hello. <laughs> and uh, my last question, a little more lighthearted, because um, you already mentioned one worship song, "Love on the Line," and I was already thinking we can put this online for people. But like, what are some other like worship songs that you recommend to people, or like in your situation, like a couple worship songs to like listen to when life is crappy? I really love Broken Vessels oh, by Hillsong oh, United. I haven't thought about that song in a while. That's probably my favorite worship song. And my favorite part of it is the all these pieces broken and scattered. And then in the second verse, it says jars of clay. Hmm. So I like to think of like beauty and brokenness. Yeah, That's why I really like that song. There's so many good songs. The first one I thought of was Here Again, but I forget who that's by. Google help. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is Elevation Worship. Just, just like thinking. the... Oh, what's that? Go ahead. The... Like admitting that you are not enough on your own, but because of God, you are enough. So like that surrender is what I really like about that song. I was just thinking we're going to need to make like a playlist on Apple Music and Spotify for all the Oh, girl, I already got one. Well, no, I just mean like for like when we talk about a song on here, I feel like it would be cool to like add to that playlist. Oh, yeah, you're 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 a music queen. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that you were going to love me asking you about music, but then also be like, dang, like too many answers. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of songs. I'm like, okay, 
Chill. <laughs> well, and if you think of any more, we can we can put them online too for people to check out at a later time. Okay. I just feel like before we say goodbye, that um I should pray. Because, you know, like, I mean, you sharing your story is hard, but then also people listening, like, brings up stuff in their own life, too. And I just feel like you can never pray too much, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just, um, God, I just want to thank you for um, giving us this opportunity to have this conversation and to share it with whoever listening, whether it's three people or 300 that listen to this Um that your love radiates out of this. Um, and it's not just about how strong it might sound or how strong Alexia sounds for, for going through what she did. Um, but that she was able to do that because of who you are, you working through her. Um, and I just pray that her story, um, brings everyone who hears it closer to you. Um, in her name, I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Alexia Scott's got music on Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a song called Enough, and it's about the story that I just told you, specifically about when I was in my room alone, feeling like I wasn't strong enough to keep on living. So, if you want to check it out, there is, yeah, on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, but if you want to go check out Enough on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you listen, you should be able to find it. Yeah, and we'll link it online, too, on the blog guys want to check it out there heck yeah can i see peace out girl scouts now yes peace out girl scouts peace out